has becoming a real estate investor always been something that has been sort of rattling around in the back of your mind and you just don't know what to do? Maybe you have heard people talk about the Burr method, maybe flipping, maybe house hacking, and you're like, I just... I don't know. I don't know which one is the best one for me. Well, today we're going to dive into the Burr method. We're going to talk about the Burr method versus flipping. Flipping is near and dear to my heart, but don't get me wrong. The Burr method is also one that I've utilized over the years and it can be super beneficial. So let's dive in and talk all things Burr. And I'm not talking about freezing cold in Minnesota. I'm talking about real estate investing. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Okay, Bus Bench Babes, Beth here doing a solo episode, and we're going to talk all about real estate investing. It is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I think it is for many real estate agents, but if it's not for you, it might actually be for your clients, and you need to be able to have an educated and intelligent sounding conversation, and even if it's at a high level, um, just so your clients know that, yeah, you've got your finger on the pulse and you know what's happening in investing space. So we're going to talk today specifically about the Burr method. Burr, yeah, like Burr, I live in Minnesota and it's freezing out. Yeah, that, that kind of Burr. Burr stands for buy, rehab, rent and refinance. So we're just going to go through, we're going to break this down. I'm going to give you like some of my insight and some of my personal history with um, being an investor. Ultimately, real estate is an awesome tool. And I always say it's a tool to create generational wealth. So let's go through what this specifically looks like. And Maybe this is something that you've been thinking about. Maybe this is that episode that's going to push you over the edge and you're going to be like, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. Or maybe you're actually going to start talking about this with your clients and get them into the investing space so they can start creating generational wealth for their family. So buy. You have to identify a property. And this isn't just like, you know, throwing a spitball at the wall and see what sticks. In real estate, how you win on buying an investment is how you buy the property. It seems counterintuitive because I think a lot of people think that how you make money is they're like, well, I sold it for top dollar. Well, great. You may have sold it for top dollar, but what if you bought it for top dollar? You might not be making top dollar for it, even though you sell it for top dollar. So that's something to really keep in mind is that you have to make sure those original numbers are really spot on that you have room enough to do a rehab and renovate. And then 
have your rents make sense and cash flow. That's always important. And then also have enough equity in there that you can refinance and take money out. So why is this Burr method so popular, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Um, this is a way to get into a property for you know, obviously you have a down payment and you got to get a mortgage, but then it's a way for you to fix up the property and you're making rental income every single month. And then you can refinance and take out a portion of the equity that you use as the down payment on your next property. And then it's just like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You can do this multiple times a year you know, you would be refinancing maybe a different property, not the same one that you bought in the same year. Because sometimes you need a little bit more runway in order to have enough equity to be able to refinance and cash it out. So let's just go through these. Buying, like I said, buying is really important. You win on the buy. That's where you're going to make your money is on the buy side of it. So how do you, how do you identify properties that are a good fit? Well, This might not be finding properties on MLS. This might be you doing a campaign in an area that maybe you know is just on the cusp of regentrifying and you know like this has become the hot place. You see restaurants going in there. You see Trader Joe's and Starbucks going in there. There's been a lot of studies done that Trader Joe's and Starbucks do an insane amount of research before they put a store in a certain location. So home values in those areas tend to be higher. Cool, right? So like if they've already done the research, they have a whole entire team and department that all they do is research land acquisitions. Maybe there's something to that. So if you can find a home in an area that has a lot of desirable features to it, which would make it obviously appreciate faster, but then also be a great candidate for a rental, that's a, that's a neighborhood you're going to want to pay attention to. And are is maybe there a block that's kind of like, ooh, this block could be cuter if people started putting some love and attention into it. Well, you know, I know an investor that owns a whole entire block and he happens to live in there. And when everyone started selling, he started snatching it all up. And he told me he's an old guy, like, you know, probably in his 80s, he's been doing this forever and he didn't have a job that made him a ton of money. He always just had a really kind of steady eddy job. He worked for either the gas or electric company. um, I forget which one. And he was able to just slowly accumulate the properties. And he said, Beth, it's so much easier to maintain them because I can walk there with my toolbox and make any repairs. He's super handy. He knows a lot of other people in the trades. So that is just a model that worked for him. Just buy as many properties as you can right around your house and make it easy on yourself. So putting a lot of research, a lot of background into buying and not just necessarily the price of the house. You're also going to want to look at what rehab costs are. Rehab costs right now, if you're in a position where you have to hire everything out, they're through the roof right now. We 
did a major flip last year on a commercial type property where the city required that we hired commercial, a commercial plumber and a commercial electrician. And I'm going to just go on record and say, having to hire those two tradespeople specifically, the quotes were about a hundred percent higher than what they would have been had I been able to hire a, a residential plumber and a residential electrician. So these are some things to keep in mind. It can really screw up your numbers bad if you aren't calculating the numbers correctly. And if you're not planning for like a contingency budget and that, oh shit, the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, you're doing it all. You think you've covered all your bases. You've had a home inspection, you've planned for it all. And all of a sudden you open the wall and there's something catastrophic in the wall. Well, how are you going to be able to pivot? How are you going to be able to make money on that? In that, a situation like that, you may be able to renovate it and rent it. And maybe that last R, the refinance part, maybe that's going to be a little bit further out because you might not have the equity there quite yet to be able to take us, you know, to take a cash out refinance. So like, there's just a lot of things that you need to be able to plan for. Um, so having access to money is key. Something that a coach told me years and years ago is don't refinance and get a line of credit in place when you need it, get it when you don't need it. And why that is, is because you're going to be able to have access to more money just for like a peace of mind. We put a second mortgage, a line of credit on our home and we did that you know, we did that years ago when we had low equity. And then when we had more equity, we refinanced and actually tripled the size of that line of credit. And what I love about it is that it's peace of mind. And what I really love about it is that I just have a bucket of cash sitting there. And if the perfect property pops up on the market, I am able to tap into some cash to be able to buy another property. Or if somebody were to come to me and say, hey, Beth, I have this awesome investment idea and I'm looking for investors, I can say, well, yeah, I have access to cash. And you know, obviously there's a monthly payment on that, but as long as I'm being mindful about that, that is peace of mind and having access to money is freedom. So get a line of credit in place on your current mortgage now if you can, because that could potentially give you some leverage to get in and buy that first investment property. But in terms of rehab, so I am very, um, very familiar to this. I put my flip on the market recently that my family and I had been working on. So I do flip properties. And so just a little sidebar, the Burr method is a long-term investment strategy. And it's a great way. It's called the long-term value capture, meaning that you will have income coming in for decades. Whereas flipping homes is a short-term method where you're getting as much money out of the property in the shortest amount of time. So currently flipping works good for me, but I have done the Burr method as well. And I owned a property for years and years and it actually worked out super awesome. But when we're talking about our rehab, I do my rehabs with my parents and my husband. And my stepdad was a home inspector. He's remodeled more homes than he can count. 
He was a very highly sought after handyman when he wasn't working on our own properties. And he has the ability and the wherewithal to do the majority of the stuff in our properties. So that works out really great because that's where we save a ton of money. So I'm always mindful about how we buy the property, but then in terms of, okay, what do we have to sub out versus what is the work that we can do ourselves? So my mom and I are really good painters. Things like knockdown on the ceilings, you know, taking down the disgusting popcorn and putting down knockdown on the ceilings, that is a fortune if you hire that out. Well, we know how to do all of that. Well, let's let's be clear. I do not know how to do all that, but I know people that know how to do all of that. And that saves us tens of thousands of dollars on our properties doing our own paint. We know how to hang trim. We know how to hang doors, tiling, putting down flooring. Like There are so many things that we know how to do. That's where we can save so much money. So maybe you have really handy parents. Maybe you've got a spouse that's super handy. Maybe you yourself, you want to just jump in and start YouTubing the heck out of things. And maybe you want to figure things out, you badass boss, babe. This can look so many different ways, but the more money that you can plan up front to save is going to help you in the long run for to A, be able to cash flow on your rent and B, be able to refinance those third and fourth R's in the Burr method. So some of the things that I do in terms of rehab is I always, you know, I think if you've been here for any amount of time, you probably know that I have an interior design background. That was my, um, that's what I went to college for. And so it becomes, it becomes occupational hazard. I think in the only the best voice, my husband might think otherwise with how much I want to redo our house on the regular. But anytime I'm walking into a property, I'm envisioning, okay, it looks like this right now, but what could it look like? Is it as simple as, painting and new light fixtures and you're just going to make it zhuzh it up? Does it need maybe an accent wall or some cute, um, easy to install wallpaper? Can you do just like minor things to make it really sexy for a renter or does it truly need an overhaul? Do you need to move walls to make this a better idea? So just to give you an example, in the last year and a half, my family and I have um, flipped or renovated three properties. And so the first one was a really cute two-bedroom, two-bath condo. And it just needed to be, it had been stripped down to the bare bones. Um, it had been like kind of an old granny apartment. It had horrendous like Pepto-Bismol colored walls, um, like that neon pink. It had a sage green living room, dining room, kitchen. That was barf also. And then a sky blue bedroom, but like actually not sky blue, more of like Carolina Panthers blue, like that type of blue and, and wallpaper from the maybe the early eighties, seventies. So some of this stuff was really bad, but truly it was all cosmetic. We did not have to move any walls. In fact, we decided to not even replace the kitchen. The cabinets were just fine. And we were thinking with the price point that we were working in, tearing out the kitchen and putting a new kitchen in from a financial standpoint, it didn't make sense. So we painted them agreeable gray Instead of just painting the cabinets white, I painted them a really beautiful grayish, you know, not the name says gray, but it, they were 
a really warm gray. We put black hardware on it. But let me tell you, we didn't go out and just buy all brand new hardware. You, It was the type of cabinets where you could see the hinges on the side because, you know, this building was built 60s, 70s, something like that. So the cabinets, and this was just sort of like a mid-level condo. So you could see the hardware on the side. And many times when you replace the hardware, then all of a sudden your cabinets don't shut properly. And I said, there's no way we are not going down that road. So we took all the cabinets hardware off, soaked them all in a degreaser, scrubbed the heck out of them and spray painted them all matte black. How much is a can of spray paint? Back in the day, a can of spray paint was like two bucks. Now it's $10, but we were able to update the hardware to look like something totally modern and current for $10. And then the hardware, you know, the pulls and the knobs that we put on the cabinetry, I found all of that at Amazon. Super easy. I found a great light fixture at my light lighting outlet store. I have an awesome quartz guy. So the cabinets may not have been fancy, but they looked really fresh and awesome when they're like this pretty grayish color with black hardware. We put in beautiful quartz that was like a white color with a little bit of veining and then some awesome subway tile backsplash and undermount lighting. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, what? excuse me? This is a brand new kitchen and it wasn't a brand new kitchen. It was paint and it was so easy. It's tedious and not always the most fun project, but it was one of those projects that gave us the best bang for our buck. And you wouldn't know, like it, the transformation in it was absolutely incredible. And we got appliances from the Best Buy Scratch and Dent store. So we got appliances that were brand new for a fraction of the cost. And it was stuff like the microwave was out of box and it said it was missing some parts. Well, Mark and I are scouring around the Best Buy outlet store. Come to find out it was laying in a different section. All of the hardware in the installation, the mounting kit that mounts the under cabinet microwave, you know, the microwave that goes over the range to the cabinet, it was laying in the refrigerator section. So we saved, we got the microwave for about half the price. Um, the range had a ding on the side of it, which was up against the wall anyways, which you would never see. And I don't know what was going on with the dishwasher, but we saved money on the dishwasher also. So it's really surprising if you get creative with how you update things I always am really concerned when I'm working with investors and they're like, oh, I've got this big crew and, you know, they're ordering everything super top of the line. I always say, remember, this is not your house. You are not going to live there. That's like a mantra, a mantra. I was working with this couple years ago and they've become awesome friends since our first time working together. And the wife was just, she's like me. She's a visionary. She walks into a property. She can see everything beautifully, just like I can. And so she's like, Oh, I want to do this and this and this. And I can see the panic. The husband is like sweating, like dabbing himself. Like, Oh my God, like, what is she doing? This is this renovation is going to cost newer than more than by just, just buying new construction. And so I finally, I could see the panic was like creeping up in, in Mr. Buyer. And I finally just said, Hey, Mrs. Buyer, I go a mantra that I want you to repeat to yourself is this is not my home. I'm not going to live here. 
This is not my home. I'm not going to live here. And just because we're saying this mantra to yourself does not mean that you're going to make a crappy place. That's not what I'm saying at all. But keep in mind, your first house is not your end house. And you're making this be a rental. So of course you want it to be nice. You want it to be on trend. But does this have to be as nice as your $800,000 house that you have way across town? You know, that's what I needed to keep reminding this buyer is that, you know, they lived in nearly a million dollar house. Well, the rentals that they were working on were not million dollar houses. They were not in million dollar zip codes. They were not in million dollar area uh, school districts. And so that was a mantra you needed to just keep saying to yourself. And later the husband said, thank you so much. I said, well, I can see that this really makes you nervous. And he goes, she has an awesome vision. She has an awesome eye. She just needed the reminder that we didn't need to put in designer light fixtures and designer everything. And I'm like, yep, that that's what it is. One of the methods that I love to incorporate into my renovations is a high low method, high low. And I do the same thing with my wardrobe. I do the same thing when I'm decorating my house. And what high low means is in my wardrobe, for instance, I might be wearing a sundress from old Navy that I cost $20. And then I'm going to have on designer sunglasses. I'm going to have on like awesome jewelry. I might have on a gorgeous necklace that I picked up somewhere in my travels. I'll probably have on some cute designer sandals, but that's what high low is. So like the main part of the outfit I spent 20 bucks on, and then maybe you're spending more money on other things that like the jewelry. I always say the hardware and the light fixture in a home is the jewelry. The backsplash in the kitchen is the jewelry. So make your outfit look cute, like in our first flip where I painted the cabinetry. So that saved me a ton of money, and it was a um, $10 can of spray paint to update the hardware and probably a $40 gallon of paint or maybe $50 for a good gallon of paint for the kitchen cabinets. But then I spent a little bit more money on the quartz countertops and the stainless steel appliances. But then another thing like, okay, how else can I save some money? We didn't need a super bougie designer backsplash. So we just bought some basic big oversized subway tile and put that in. And it was just all these little touches, little touches of matte black faucet that I found that looks more high end than what it is. Amazon find. So that's where you need to be really mindful on your rehab so you don't blow the budget and things spiral way out of control. Now let's talk about the rent. I use a site called Rent-O-Meter. Dot com. It's as easy as that. You can type in an address. You can type in the number of bedrooms and bathrooms and hit the analyze button. And just keep in mind, I do this pretty regularly. And then it kicks me off the free account. So a free account will let you run maybe five analysis before they're going to ask you to pay for it. But even paying for it is pretty affordable. And it is a good way to just sort of like double check the math. You can also scour places like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and stuff like that. But I love the Rentometer site. Uh, it's just going to give you a high level and it will say like low, median, and then high averages of like what you can expect 
to get for rent. So that that's pretty straightforward. Now let's talk about the refinance. Refinance can, refinancing can be tricky because there's so many other factors involved with it that may or may not be out of your control. So how did you buy it initially? Did you overpay for it? Was the number just sort of like right on the edge of overpaying for it? How did your rehab numbers come in? That's something to think about. And what kind of rents are you getting? Are you cash flowing on this property? Or are you just breaking even? Or are you sort of pinched and you're in a spot where you aren't quite cash flowing yet and you're hoping to be eventually? You There's a lot of things like that to take into consideration. And what if you get an appraiser that is going to come in and give you a low appraisal? So a lender cannot have any contact with an appraiser, but a homeowner can have contact with an appraiser and also a real estate agent can. So maybe you want to do your due diligence and really like meet with the appraiser. Hey, this is all I've done. These are things we considered. This is what we looked at. This is what we used as our model. These are sold comparables that I used to help me create a valuation for this property. So obviously nobody likes to be told how to do their job and appraisers, I would say are the biggest offenders of that. And if the appraisal comes in low, it's really hard to go back and get an appraiser to change their value opinion on a property. It's sort of like a fight in city hall. So if you can be helpful and not like in your face about it, be like, hey, here's what I've done at the property, yada, yada. Can I get you any more information? Um, this, These were the numbers I looked at in case you didn't see this comp. Um, what can I do to make your job, Mr. Appraiser, that much easier, Miss Appraiser? How can I make your job that much easier? And I... Uh, this is a hill I'm going to go die on. I think helping prime the pump is a good thing when you need values to come in where you need them to come in at. I think appraisals can sometimes be a little subjective because if you give three different appraisers a property and say, hey, just appraise us and tell me what you think it's worth. It's very unlikely that they're all going to come back with exactly the same number. I think giving the appraiser all the information they need is something that could be super, super beneficial. So what are the, some of the advantages of this Burr method? Uh, you, and let, I'm just going to put this blanket statement out there. I am not an accountant. You want to, you want to make sure you're talking to your accountant when you're talking about stuff like this, especially anything to do with your finances. But as far as I know, I'm going to go on record and say that you don't get taxed on that cash out refinance when you cash money out of a property. And then flipping, you have income. You can create income because now all of a sudden you have rent and there will be depreciation that you can potentially tap into. Um, there's no capital gains on that flipping income. And then rents, one of the other benefits of this Burr method is that rents create stability. And many times you'll have long-term renters that live in properties for years and years just because it's a pain in the butt to move. And maybe you just have um, a serial renter. They just don't want to own property. It's so much easier for them to live in a property that's nicely maintained with a great landlord in an awesome location, maybe in a great school district. Well, all of a sudden you have steady rents 
that you could potentially be incrementally increasing your rent to make sure that you have competitive market numbers for rentals. And you have, like I said earlier in the show, you're going to have long-term value capture, meaning that you're going to have income for decades. So you're going to have that rental income for years and years, and then you're able to refinance, do a cash out refinance and take that money and start the Burr method over on another property. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight. Um, I love investing. I honestly, I think I almost love the creative part of it the most is I love taking an ugly property and making it be not ugly anymore. That's the most satisfying part to me. But I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Making money at the end of the transaction, making something beautiful and making a beautiful home for somebody to move into really fills my cup. And then I get to make money doing that. I feel like it's just a a true win-win. So, if you ever want to talk about investing, reach out. You know I'm your girl. I love talking about especially the rehab part of it. That is one of my favorite favorite parts. So hope you learned something and reach out. Any questions, anytime, would love to chat. So until next time, Bus Bench Babes, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babes that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.